Monday's games, the beginning of week six in the NBA. We're going to recap all of the action from Monday, including another disaster for the Detroit Pistons. We're going to update you on LaMelo Ball's ankle injury, look at waiver wire trends, and give out the lines of the night. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I can barely recognize my own dick. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com, and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball, on TikTok at redrock underscore bball, and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. Today's episode. Who's it brought to you by? Fangio, that's it. It's brought to you by Fangio. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 reduce in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit Fangio.com slash locked on to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We're here to recap Monday's games. Just a bit of a heads up tomorrow. Buy low, sell high show is coming. So if you are watching this on YouTube, welcome. Hello. How's it going? Can you drop down below in the comments of this video who you think is going to be featured on the buy low, sell high show tomorrow? I don't normally do that at the start of the show. I don't normally give you a little bit of an, a call to action at the start. Hey, also hit subscribe, hit notification bell. If you're listening on audio, do the same. But if you are watching, who do you think is going to be on the buy low, sell high show tomorrow? Drop it in the comments. We're here to talk about the games uh, from Monday, only five games on, so we're going to dig into those. couple of blowouts in there as well, which is never uh, ideal in terms of trying to understand where fantasy value lies, but that's it. That's fine. It happened. We're all good. We, uh, we understand that. Let's just recap some news, though, that did go on, and we got the designation from the Hornets, and I think I've mentioned this in one show, uh, but I'll do it again now. This organization is disastrous. They're shit full from top to bottom. And I like a lot of their players. Some, not so much. I do like a lot of their players. Uh, their fans are cool. As nearly all fans are cool, apart from the Toronto fans. You guys, but you guys know you suck. You, you, you understand that. The Hornets have listed LaMelo Ball doubtful. Oh, is that good news, Josh? Well, it would be if it was any other franchise that wasn't the Hornets. This is a team. This is a team. The last season listed Gordon Haywood doubtful when he was out for three weeks. Listed Terry Rogier doubtful when he was out for three weeks. Listed Cody Martin out as doubtful. Um, and he played three games for the entire season. And they just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. The only positive news we have at the moment is that LaMelo Ball's x-rays were negative. So there's no fracture. I don't, I'm not in the camp of people who think that this is a significant injury that's going to keep him out for months. I am thinking it is multiple weeks. The doubtful tag doesn't change that because this is a lying organization who lies about lying and lies about um, injury reports and is unscrupulous with, any, scrupulous? That doesn't sound right. unscrupulous with anything that they do. Sorry, they just are. And I don't take this as anything. Doubtful means nothing to me. What it, what it does mean, though, is that it's not like an injury that they can hide from. But remember Gordon Haywood was listed doubtful and his wife comes out and goes, Hey, you blokes, he's got a fractured shoulder blade. You might want to say something that isn't doubtful. But they just keep on going. And look, it's, it's, it's served them well. Look, this competitive advantage that they've get, it's been awesome for this franchise. They've been out there dominating, obfuscating all the injuries, keep their opponents guessing as they get their asses blown off every game. Keep doing you, Charlotte. We love you, and I won't stop roasting you until you fix your nonsense, which will probably be never. But anyway, LaMelo Ball is doubtful. 
all that means for us for fantasy, he, he's not going to play. Let, let's let's get that. And if I am wrong, and if he actually does play or he plays the next game, I will apologize to Charlotte. I won't apologize for all the previous stuff that they've done because that was true. What does this mean in terms of fantasy value? Rogier, Haywood, Washington, uh, Miller, all maintain 12-team value. Go grab them if any of them are available. Ishmith's a deeper league guy. Bryce McGowan's is the deepest, deepest league guy, and that is about it. That's really it. Honestly, because what we had, right? We had Rogier out, and all that value was there. Rogier back, ball out, so the value sort of stays what it was. So if you were, weren't looking at adding Ishmith or Bryce McGowan's or Teo Maladon when Rogier is out, you don't add them now. It's just the same sort of guys keep value. Keegan Murray has been downgraded to doubtful, so that would suggest to me that he won't play for the Kings tomorrow. Barnes' value up, Herder's value slightly up, Lyle's value slightly up, Duarte's value goes from the basement to half of the step above the basement. Not a 12-team league guy. Watch as he drops 20 points on four shots tomorrow. Um, but yeah, Lyle's, uh, Lyle's Murray now doubtful. The update on Tyler Heroes is still about a week away from returning, but the positive news is CJ McCollum and Jamal Murray look like they're going to return as early as next game. They both did not play on Monday, but they both could be back for the game uh, Wednesday is when those teams play. So they could both be back for that one. So that is a skerrick of um, positive news. Let's go ahead and look now at what we do know or the trends across the fantasy basketball waiver wire and the most added players in the last 24 hours. A lot of these were to stream in today, but the top two on this list, Norman Powell, who's up 22%, and Jaden Ivey up 20%, they're longer term ads. We'll talk more about Ivey and Powell later on. Powell is a nice little points and threes guy. Ivy put up a very fantastic game. Very fantastic? That sounds horrendous. It sounds like I've never spoken English in my life. He put up a really good game today, Jaden Ivey. I don't know what this dickhead franchise is going to do, but I know that eventually common sense should arrive at some point, and that would mean he stays in the starting lineup. Go and add Jaden Ivey wherever you can. Remember when we did the pregame show? I think it was early last week, and I went, oh, I think I'm going to put, I have to put a bid in here. Ivey's going to start. We're putting a bid in. And Adam King. I don't know if you watched the show. He probably did. I'm watching New King. He outbid me. It was like 15 bucks to 17 bucks or something in industry pickup. L. L to me. W for you, Kingy. Um, Matisse Leibel up 15%. That's just, he put up one of the weirdest lines ever today. Um, we know what that is. That's a stream. DeAndre Hunter, people did react to the big scoring night. Remember, you do not get credit for that game. I still do believe that Bogdanovich and Bay are better options than Hunter. No problem adding Hunter. Absolutely none if you want to do it. I still like the other guys more. Kelly Linick up 13%. Well, he's not Omer yet, seven. I don't think we're going to hold on to a Linux, but we'll talk about that later. And then Obert Toppen up 12%, and we just went back to the old Obi Toppen today. And I reckon we can end up moving on from him. Let's talk about the most dropped players. Unfortunately, the Cavs lied when they said Craig Porter Jr. would be part of the rotation because he was not. So you can move on from Craig Porter, down 28%. Jeremy Sohan, down 22%. People thought knee soreness means a long-term injury. I don't know about that. You can drop him, no problem. But... People just reacted to him not playing that second half and moved on. Bismack Biombo down 14%. I think we'll end up with him being a drop, but I don't know that I would have done it just yet. Grayson Allen down 13%. Like the bloke missed the game. I, I get it, but he still got value. I, I don't know if I would have done that one. Dunk Robinson down 11 You might want to reverse on that. Throw the old Uno reverse down. Add him. He's coming back. Seems a bit silly, but add him. Jimmy Butler didn't practice either. Add Duncan Robinson. And John Isaac down 9%, absolutely 100% on board with that. Very hard to see John uh, contributing enough to matter. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NFL season and the NBA season, of course, because this is an NBA podcast, the offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So 
if you want to uh, expect the Pistons to continue their losing streak, you can bet against them. And Pistons fans, this is not directed at you. I sympathize with you guys. You guys deserve better. This is me on your behalf giving shit to your organization that needs to do better. And if you're still defending him at this point, well, I don't know what to say to you. But anyway, bet against the Pistons, get your money line in, get your uh, bonus bets back. And with those bonus bets, you get on the FanDuel app, you can go and use um, those bonus bets for so many different things. It's so easy to use the app, but they've got parlays, they've got over-unders, total spreads, um, uh, props, uh, futures, it's all there. And you can bet on the winner of the NBA's in-season tournament, which is uh, happening in about a week and a half. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and tip off the NBA season. In fact, finish off the in-season tournament for the NBA FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL, and don't forget to gamble responsibly. And that, that'll bring us into the games. So I know you've been eagerly awaiting the, it's not even a toilet bowl. It's like the sewage treatment plant, the Wizards versus the Pistons. And on the road, the Wizards laid the smackdown on the Pistons. I don't think I'm going to talk about the Pistons at length because some people get annoyed. Man, you talk about this team too much. We get it. You hate them. I just think the Pistons fan deserve better and they don't get it, which is really, really unfortunate because this organization, honestly, I could have been wrong, but as soon as Troy Weaver was hired and he started making moves, I said, oh no, oh no. What, this, does this guy know what's going on? Get him out of here. These moves make no sense. Remember them acquiring like five centers all at once? Signing Kelly Olynyk and Mason Plumlee to big contracts, the ridiculous Marvin Bagley trade and, and then contract extension, the James Wiseman trade. Any good move that they've had is almost fallen into their lap. Trading, signing Jeremy Grant, not trading him away, then trading him away for a draft pick, which was a very, very low back-end first-round pick, which somehow another idiot organization <laughs> enabled you to turn that into Jalen Duran. Is that Troy Weaver's benefit? I guess it is, but you shouldn't have got that. This team just makes no sense. And changes need to come. And it should come from Arn Talon down. He needs to go. His son needs to go. Troy Weaver needs to go. Monty Williams, is he a good coach? I don't know. Probably not. Not sure. Don't know. They're bad. Anyway, the Wizards, congratulations to you, Washington. 126-107. Let's talk about playmaking point forward legend Kyle Kuzma. Because while I was high on Kuzma this season, I had him ahead of ADP, especially in points leagues. He was one of the best points league sleepers. I didn't expect this. 32-12-8. and eight. eight assists. Again, big assists once more. 44 from the field, 10 of 11 from the line. He's been amazing. He's been a top 20 player over his last five games. He's on the verge of the top 50 for category leagues. He's top 35 in points leagues. And while it might be a sell high, it also might not. And if anyone wanted to give me a top 40 player, I would do it, but nobody will. So just enjoy it. It's been awesome for Kuzma. Dan Gafford, also absolutely rolling. 10 and 9, two steals, four blocks, 80% shooting. Top 70 for the season. Top 60 over the last five games. Points leagues, he was never going to be that good, but he's outstripping the value you got from him on draft day. Killing it. Good game from Avdir as well. 26 minutes, 16, 6, and 5. He'd been a little bit down in the dumps and been struggling. Still want to hold him, but he is a back-end guy. But for all of this positivity, we've got to talk negatives now because Tyus Jones only played 26 minutes, 12, 3, and 4. They went with other options for him down the stretch. He has been, I would say, a little bit disappointing. He hasn't disappointed me much because I didn't have as high hopes on him as others. But, you know, he has been somewhat disappointing. I do think you do hold him in 12s, but it has not been good. Not even a top 150 player this season. But if I'm going to say that I was not high on Tyus Jones and, you know, so he hasn't disappointed me, I have to tell you that it's been absolutely dreadful from Jordan Poole. And I thought that Jordan Poole would come in, he'd lead this team in usage with Kuzma 1B, 
Toward get some assists. He'd play 30 plus minutes. He'd have really high usage. Like the man had 30 usage and four plus uh, free throw attempts on Golden State in a 30 minute bench roll. I thought, surely he can just do that again. Nah, apparently not. Um, he's a joke at the moment. He's a clear joke. And I just thought that he would be able to do more. I didn't think that he was a good player, right? And I said this plenty of times. I didn't think he was necessarily a good player. I thought he was better than what his reputation was, but that was wrong. He's worse than his reputation was. I still think that some of the stuff about him is a little unfair, but still, you've got to produce, man. 10-0-3, 33%, 9-attempts, 25 minutes, benched for Landry Shamit down the stretch. Has some tech issues and argues with the coach. It's just a whole shit show disaster, and it has obviously gone completely opposite to how I expected. That's, that's on me. That's bad. Right? That is bad. He has been shit house. I still think he can improve it here, but he's been shocking, very clearly. Bilal Kulabali, 28 minutes, 5 and 4, 2 steals and a block. At this point, he is a steals-only sort of streamer. Because we can talk about holding him and waiting for things to turn around. I'm not really sure how, how good it becomes for him this season. I like him, but is he ever going to be a guy that ramps into 28 usage? I don't think so. I, I don't think that's going to be him. You can have him. I don't think it has to be a must-roster scenario for Bilal. Gallinari got hot. He had 16 points in 19 minutes while Landry Shamet 12, 2, and 4, two steals and a block. Man, getting two steals out of Landry Shamet, it's like Christmas. I was going to say something horribly offensive and rude there, but I'll just say it in my head and laugh, and you guys can guess what I was going to say about Christmas. Landry Shamet, good numbers from him, but I don't care. Um, I am going to go long on these games because we've only got two of them on, so let's talk about Cade Cunningham. 26, 5, and 7, two threes, one steal, 46 from the field, four or four from the line. That's actually sort of just bang on what I expected from him. And despite the criticisms of Cade, he's actually like not that far off. One of the things I got wrong with Cade is I thought he would rebound more, but because I didn't expect Asar Thompson to be a double-digit rebound player. Got that wrong? Cool. Everything else, sort of okay. The shooting is coming up, and I think it is going to get better for Cade as we move forward. Jalen Duran, 33 minutes. I love this. 12 and 14, one steal, five blocks. And he hasn't been a good shot blocker. But this was great. I love it also. Jaden Ivey, 15-7-7, a steal on a block. Love that too. The fact that he was mired on the bench behind Marcus Sasser and Killian Hayes at the start of the season is curious. I'll just leave it at that. Curious. I think you should be adding Ivey. And Asad Thompson has slowed down. But 16-4, two steals and a block. You don't drop him. No, God no. You don't definitely don't drop him. That's He was going to slow down and he did. Uh, Marvin Bagley the third out of the rotation. He started last game. He's out of the rotation, and Marvin Bagley the fourth was the reserve center. Nine minutes for James Wiseman, eight and four, who continues to be bad. He continues to suck, James Wiseman, because he's bad. And whatever player they use there, it doesn't matter. What this team should do is the man that they are masquerading as a starting power forward, Isaiah Stewart. He should be benched. He should be the backup center because that is all that he is. I don't understand why this has taken... It, or it still hasn't happened. Why does this team not realize this is not the man for the starting power forward job? For as much heart as Isaiah Stewart brings, he's not good enough at basketball to be in this position. 7 and 8, 27%, 1 of 7 from 3. He's not good enough. He shouldn't be playing in this role. And hopefully when Boyan returns, Boyan starts, Stewart moves to the bench. But I am shit scared that Monty is going to bench Asar or Ivy, and I will lose my shit. I'm not going to lose it preemptively, but I will lose it if that happens. Stewart is not a 12-team league guy. He has value if Duran is out, but if Duran plays, he is not useful. Get him out of here. 23 minutes for Isaiah Livers, one of the worst permanent producers in fantasy. 
His spacing is important, and that's why he gets minutes. While Marcus Sasser played 22 minutes, and Alec Burks played 13 minutes. And Killian Hayes, what a weird line. One shot, missed it, but had three blocks and three assists. I think that he is going to suffer a loss of minutes when players return. I think there just was a lot to talk about in that game, so I'm sorry I went on quite a bit about it. I think there's just a lot to talk about with both of those franchises and where we head with them moving forward. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling against thousands of players um, with their spreadsheets and lineups and pros and sharks and all that sort of stuff, it's you against player projections. They put them up, you knock them down, more or less. That's all you need to say. Points, rebounds, whatever they put up, yeah, you say more or less. You can choose them. There's so many different stat options that they can provide. And all you need to do is choose between two to six of those individual player projections shove them into an entry, and you can win up to 25 times your money back. So like it might be Steph, and here they have his line or his number set at 28.5 for points. And you go, okay, looks like a big Steph game. Let's go more. Or you might have um, Marvin Bagley's rebound set at 0.5, and you go less, and you'd win it. That's how you do it over on Prize Picks. Easy to do, fast to do, fun to do. That is what Prize Picks brings. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. The code is locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right. Let us move into the next game after taking a long time on that one. I don't think there's a huge amount to talk about as the Lakers got their pants absolutely pulled down. We got their ass bare red and they got killed. 138-94 against the Sixers. The Lakers are without Reddish, Hachimura, Vanderbilt and Vincent. And while that seems like, oh, well, they're a bunch of trash players, these are four rotation players for the Lakers. So that is important because we got, you know, 11 minutes of Jalen hood Shafino in this one. We got um, 19 Jackson Hayes minutes, 22 Christian Wood minutes, 26 Max Christie minutes. And I like Max Christie, and I think he probably should play over Cam Reddish, but they hadn't been. Let's talk about the good players, 18-0-5 for LeBron. That's obviously a bad game for LeBron, but these guys got pulled off really early, giggity. Anthony Davis had 17-11, and while Torian Prince hit three threes, and D'Angelo Russell 12-2-7. But it's really hard to like dig into what's actually going on in this game because of how out of hand it was and how early it got out of hand. We had eight and a half minutes of Demoy Hodge. That should give you an idea of how much this was a blowout. Six and seven for the Crucifix. Christian Wood is still rostered in 12-team leagues. Those 13% of 12-team leagues that has him, um, have a good look at yourselves. He's not a 12-team league player unless they streamed him for today, which is not a bad idea. But, you know, we move on. 29 minutes for Reeves, 12-2-2. Yeah, nothing super spectacular there. But again, just a bad game all around. For the Sixers, Embiid, 30-11-11. Big numbers from the line, big numbers from the field, and that's great. It was also good for Tyrese Maxey to get back on track. He's been a little bit down. 31-3-8 with five threes. Still no blocks there, but 45 from the field, 89 from the line. We love that. And that was another strong Nico Batum game. 10-7-4, three steals and two threes. The Kelly Oubre potential return, which might happen in the next three games will have an impact on Batum somewhat. Batum is a solid 14-team league guy at the moment. He's actually top 150 over the last two weeks on a per-game basis. That's enough for 12-team streams and 14-team league rosters. We got 20 minutes of Marcus Morris, which always makes me feel so warm and fuzzy. 16 minutes, or 16 points for him in 20 minutes with four threes. Nothing else, and I do not care to add him. While it was a bad game from D'Anthony Melton and a bad game from Tobias Harris. 
Nine points for uh, Melton with two assists and a steal. Please hold him. Well, the thick Hogsman went 8-5-0 and zero on 25% Tobias Harris. Just a stinker from Harris. We knew Harris's numbers were going to come back down, and it's just been a really rough run of things. Maybe he's, maybe he's a name that appears on the Buy Low show tomorrow. I doubt it, but maybe he is. Well, eh, he could be. We'll see. But overall, just a lot of garbage time in this one. We actually got to see KJ Martin play for five minutes, a guy that I thought would be in the mix for rotation minutes, just never gets... Uh, he's not there. He's not uh, Patrick Beverly or Marcus Morris. And I didn't realize Nick Nurse was such a... Um, veteran backhander. I didn't realize he was daisy-chaining the veterans as much as he does, but he does. He's big into the veterans. He loves a, loves a veteran, loves an old bloke. Let's look at the next game. It was the Portland Trailblazers on the road against the Pacers with a 114-110 win. And this is actually a low-scoring affair for a Pacers game. I would talk a lot about Jeremy Grant and DeAndre Ayton being painful to watch because for the most part, it's true. But they both put in really, really good performances here. So we give credit when it's due. 34 and 7 for Grant, 3 threes and 3 blocks, and 67% is amazing. 7 of 7 from the line is fantastic. DeAndre Ayton, don't look now, but the big fella's had 10 free throw attempts in his last two games. 22 and 13 with 4 of 4 from the line on 69%. These games from Ayton is what I thought he might be able to do before the Rob Williams trade. And I went, ah, oh, could this guy actually be top 30? And then, of course, he was dreadful. Well, not dreadful. He was um, insipid and uninspired. These lines, this is top 30. And in fact, he's actually the 33rd ranked player this season. Scope to improve. 36 minutes from Malcolm Brogdon on a back-to-back is actually insane behavior. What are we doing? I know you're showcasing for a trade. What are you going to showcase? That the man's hamstrings are going to break off like a rubber band that's been left in the sun. Why why would we be doing this? But anyway, 24-2-7. What else are we going to talk about? Shaden Sharp, 11-5-6 on rough efficiency, but three steals is nice. His peripherals have come back up since other players are there. He is a hold, and we'll just reassess it when Simons comes. A lot of people in fantasy who ask me questions will ask questions like, hey, man, is Sharp going to be a drop later on? Like, I think probably yes, but you don't have to make that decision. You don't have to make any decision like that now. You just hold the guy, and you roll the guy, and you fold the guy. You know, whatever, I'm just trying to make up shit here. But you just hold on to him, and we see what happens. We see what develops. This is good enough to hold for now. Thibel, I referenced it early. 29 minutes, zero points. Cool. One rebound, one assist, one steal, one block. Just a weird line. Well, Kamara started and played 17 minutes and had five and two. Look, obviously, we're not touching Kamara in 12s. We're not touching Jabari Walker in 12s. And honestly, we're not touching Matisse Thibel in 12s as a general rule. What else do we need to talk about? Oh, yeah. Sterling Henderson, old scooter. 22 minutes on a back-to-back for him. 13, 3-1, 40% from the field. But his three-point shooting has been better. Rough from the line, three of six. Now, the age-old question is going to happen here with Scoot. What do I do? He's been bad. Yes, he has. When you look in your rearview mirror, which unlike Jimmy Butler, I have on my car, when you look in your rearview mirror, and you can look back at Scoot's performance and go, man, that's shit else. It's dreadful. Um, why would I roster him? But it's why rankings, are they have value, but they're not the be-all and end-all. Because... What Scoot is now is not what he's going to be in two weeks. It's not what he's going to be in four weeks. It's not what he's going to be in February. But you all have individual situations you need to take care of. In a 10-team league, if he's your worst player, there's so much value on the wire that I think you don't need to hold Scoot. In a 12-team league, what's on your wire? Matisse Thibel? Like, it's probably not very much. But if you're also in a situation where you're losing and you've lost all five weeks and you're sitting terribly... It's not worth it. Now, I like for me, in industry pickup, you saw on the standings, I'm flying at the moment. Knock on wood, but I'm flying. 
So I can afford to hold Scoot for a long period of time. I don't even have him, but I have Keontae George. So I can afford to hold. Right? I just can afford to hold these guys. But there's always going to be a cutoff with rookies. Usually, if you've started the season, I give them until Thanksgiving. And if nothing has improved, we move on. Scoot missed all that time. So I'm probably going to give him to the middle of December. And if it's still the same and he's playing 25 off the bench and he's shooting poorly and he's averaging 12, 2, and 3, well, I'm not going to hold. But it's all going to be individual situation. If I can afford to hold, I will. Because I think and I know the general rule with rookies, despite what you will get told out on Narrative Street, remember, this is something that social media accounts and, and media will tell you that is untrue. Oh, the rookie wall, Josh. They're gonna, well, they don't actually direct it uh, directly to me. They don't address it directly to me. That's not what they do. But that people tell you, looks like they're going to hit the rookie wall. That is not real. It's real for like 10% of rookies. The other rookies, they all get better as the season goes on. They all improve as the season goes on. And while the rookie wall might come and it's a two-game slump or a three-game slump for someone, the general rule, and I have studied this shit for years and years and years, rookies get better as the season goes on. And Scoot is going to be significantly better in January than he is now as a general rule. But if you can't hold, you can't hold. It's okay. When you see it turn around, go and grab. And if you're in a strong position, in a slightly deeper than 10-team format, you hold. And this, whatever I just said then, is going to go double when we talk Keontae George later on. It's the same story. Scoot's a little bit behind because he missed all that time. The Pacers. Miles Turner got in foul trouble. 11 and 8. Two steals, two blocks. Fine. Tyrese Halliburton, 33, 2 and 9. 65% shooting. Does this man ever miss? What is going on with this guy? He's been unbelievable. Um, if you picked him in the top four and people in your league criticized you, well, you have my permission to double barrel him. Give him two of those because he's been great. Brucey Brown, 11, 3 and 3 with two steals is good enough, but there was a big injury. And I, I'm i not going to criticize the Pacers just yet. Just a little bit. Um, but... Jalen Smith suffered an injury that looked pretty rough. His knee bent backwards, very similar to what we saw happen to Paul George at the end of the last regular season. They never actually told us what that injury was, but that's what it looked like. And then the Pacers come out and go, yeah, he's got a heel contusion. Brother, he might have a heel contusion, but that is 100% not what happened on that injury. His knee bent backwards in on itself. And does that lead you to bruise your heel? Perhaps that's not what the injury was. So I'm expecting this going to be missed time here for Jalen Smith. This will put Isaiah Jackson, I'm guessing, into the backup center role. Jackson played 10 minutes, had two and five with a block. This man is an unbelievable permanent shot blocker who can't play more than 20 minutes because of foul trouble. But he's going to have opportunities at times when Turner gets in foul trouble. But the problem is that when Turner gets into foul trouble and Smith and Jackson comes in, Jackson will also get into foul trouble. I've had multiple people ask me, man, do I go and add Isaiah Jackson in 12s? No, you don't. In deeper leagues, sure, you can go and add Isaiah Jackson in deeper leagues. He's going to be a very good 16-team league guy, a solid enough 14-team option, and there will be stream appeal for Isaiah Jackson in 12s. But he's not a guy we rush to add as a backup center who gets in foul trouble, who's a one-cat contributor. I don't like that as a 12-team add. Obert Toppin, nine points in 19 minutes. We do not roster him in 12-team leagues. While Aaron Neesmith played 25 and had seven and three with three steals, we also don't need to roster him in 12s. If you go slightly deeper, that looks more like a 14-teamer league, then both Toppin and Neesmith are options there. Speaking of uh, not 12-team league players, Ben Matherin had 11-4 and four on 40% shooting with nothing else. He looks bad. He was benched for defensive issues. And Bud Heald, we put him under the lens two days ago, or yesterday, and said this, this shit is not going to happen. It was the perfect thing. 
elevated to a starting role, never missing a shot, makes it look like all of the production comes from starting. I'm glad that's been dispelled. Nine, one, and three, 30% shooting. He did have a steal on a block. Still hold butt healed, but what he was doing was nonsense. It was ridiculous, and it was never going to hold at that level. And yeah, at least you were prepared for him to uh, to drop off, which is exactly what happened here. I've just realized how long I've gone for. We've still got two games to go, but I hope you've enjoyed. Maybe you haven't, and maybe you've hated it. Give it a thumbs down, whatever, right? Maybe you've hated me going a little bit more in depth into some of these situations, but with five games on, we had a little bit of time. So let's do the next game now. The Pelicans go into Utah, and they lose to the, what are, the reinvigorated Utah Jazz. 114 Utah, 112 New Orleans. Zion, 34 minutes, 26, 4, and 7. The seven assists are very interesting. Zion is starting to play better, and he's inside the top 50 minus one over the last two weeks. After a really poor start, he's looking much better. Another strong game from Najee Marshall. I don't really care, but it was good. 14 and 9 with three steals. I definitely am not adding Najee, but deeper leagues, there's a little bit of something there. While Ingram had 25, 4, and 5, pretty empty, but good nonetheless. And 30 minutes from Valanchunas. We are seeing more Valanchunas and Zion together, which we did not see last season. That boosts his value, but part of what Valanchunas' high value or ranking had been was insane blocks. And they are coming back. 14 and 13 for Valanchunas. While Herb Jones, we knew there would be a cool-off here as well. 10, 4, and 0. One steal, zero blocks. When your game relies upon high volume, sorry, low volume, high variability stats, blocks and steals, you are going to have weeks where you are top 20. You are going to have weeks where you're 180th. And we've seen that with Herb. He's still a 12-team league player, but this is what is going to happen. Uh, rough from Dyson Daniels, 2, 3, and 4 on 17%. With CJ's return coming, if there's a player on the wire, Jaden Ivey, who you want to go and grab, do it. Drop him, move on, get someone else. Well, I think the same goes for Jordan Hawkins. Not a 12-team must-hold player. He was fine, 13-5 and five with three threes, but you don't have to hold. You can, but you don't have to hold. I wouldn't have added Jose Alvarado. I don't know if you did or not. 4-1-2 and two for him in 14 minutes. I wouldn't have done that. Well, Larry Nance, he was one of their most important players last season and just can't really get anything going. I fear, and I love Larry Nance as a player, I fear that we are in washed-watch territory. Injuries have added up. The knees are a problem. He's had rib issues. He's just, he's not the same guy that he was last season. And that is helping Valanchunas get more playing time. For the Jazz, they did keep Walker Kessler on the bench and he played 26 minutes. 14 and 8 with two blocks, 78%. Lovely. That's great. We're back in business with him, hopefully. Well, they started Omer Yurtseven. I don't really know why. But he had 7 and 10 with two blocks. They are good numbers. And I will watch this very cautiously. I would think they would be pretty dumb to keep Yurtseven starting long-term, but with Yurtseven starting, they've won two games, and Will Hardy was definitely sending a message with this, and if they're winning and Yurtseven's playing, they might keep starting him. I don't think that there is any value in adding Omer Yurtseven in 12-team leagues, but in deeper leagues, I would consider it. Clarkson returned. He started 16-4-10. Rough shooting, but good numbers. And Keontae George. Yeah, okay, that's nice. 31 minutes, 19-5-3. and three. Two steals and three threes. He was bad from the line, but he got there six times. I'm all about Keontae George as an option this season. You know that. I've been saying to stash him since week two. And I think we're going okay. He's not going to be perfect. There's going to be rough nights. But he's looking good. Colin Sexton and Taylor Horton Tucker had big games last time out. And they were... I just cannot watch these blokes play. Almost called them something very, very rude that is not that rude here, but is very rude. I cannot watch them play. They're so frustrating. 5-3-7 for Horton Tucker. 11-2-0 for Sexton. I wouldn't have them sniffing 
the arsehole of my 12-team league. Not even close to it. Get your nose out of there, my guys. Get away. Um, we dropped Kelly Linick. They're going to play Omer Yurtseven. We can move on. 4-4-4 four, four, and four for Kelly. We had the opportunity. He had one big start, and then that was it. And Abaji had 12 points in 16 minutes. An absolute stink fest from John Collins. There have been a lot of people who have been very excited with what Collins has brought this season. I'm not one of them. I think he's been okay, but like he was getting drafted around 100. He's giving around that value. Like what's? I have not been excited once about what John Collins has done. 12-3 and three with two threes is like whatever. It's fine. This was a bad game, admittedly, but I just he's been mid. Yes, you should roster him, but he's mid. Fontecchio, 14-4-2, two, two steals, three threes. Really good game from Simone. Obviously, Lowry Markinen is out, and Lowry Markinen is dealing with a hamstring strain. That's two games missed. I'm going to suggest that Lowry is out the rest of this week. NBA and hamstring injuries, we know they, they dick us around, but I don't think that Lowry plays this week, so this rotation might actually just stay the way it is. If I look at the roster percentage of guys, Kelly Linick needs to be dropped. Colin Sexton needs to be dropped. Talon Horton Tucker needs to be dropped in 12-team leagues. And in 14s, I would keep Alinek and I'd probably drop Sexton and I'd probably keep Horton Tucker there. George needs to be rostered. Kessler obviously does. You're at seven. I still don't really know where to go with this. I would hope that Kessler gets that starting spot back soon. Um, but Omer hit a three. Nice rebounding. Some deeper league appeal for Omer for now. For now, at least. All right, and then we've got the uh, the old last game of the night. What on earth? Clippers, my guys. Uh, no Aaron Gordon, no Jamal Murray for the Nuggets, no Nikola Jokic, and they beat the Clippers on the road on a back-to-back 113-104 because it was the Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan revenge game extravaganza. Jackson played 40 minutes, 35, 5, and 13, two steals and three threes, 79% shooting, an unbelievable game. It's all likely to end because Jamal Murray, I think, is back next game. You can hold Jackson for one more. Um, If you have been streaming him, I don't know if you have been, you should have been. Um, Yeah, we can move on. Also, we talked about this. We said that last game, DeAndre Jordan took over the backup role ahead of Zeke Nagy. Jokic was out. Jordan had 21, 13, and 5, two steals and a block and 73%. Of course, he was bad from the line. They started hacking him towards the end. But that's just an unbelievable line. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Now, there's nothing here we do. We don't add DeAndre Jordan, obviously. But that's a big line. And look at how the Nuggets win this with their three best contributors being Reggie Jackson, DeAndre Jordan, and Justin Holiday. 12 and 6, two threes and one steal. Now, so many people tweeted at me or commented, you got to take these guys off washed watch. So we might as well just play it anyway. DeAndre Jordan is washed. Like, let's be fair. Um, Justin Holiday is too. But... Sometimes washed players turn in big games, and they did, and they were amazing. Michael Ponder Jr. wasn't able to step up. 8-10 and 10 in 29 minutes on 23%, nor was KCP. 12-3-2 on 21%, and Christian Brown went backwards. Zero points in 12 minutes for Brownie. He is, um, yeah, really been disappointing. Now, he was not someone I was interested in, in drafting at all, but he's not really taken many steps forward. Peyton Watson had two steals and a block. That's just doing his thing. And Julian Strouder also stepped up with nine points in three threes. But of course, there are three starters out here and all three of these guys could be back for their next game. So Jackson, Jordan, Holiday are all going to go back to the bench and their value is not going to be there. For the Clippers, at least we got big usage Kawhi Leonard. 39 minutes, 31, 8, and 3, a steal, two blocks, 26 shots, 9 of 9 from the line, 35 usage. Great. His usage has been comically low. 
This is good. Paul George was not. Six points on 15% is obviously horrible. He had eight rebounds on 15% shooting. Shithouse. Norman Powell, 10 points in 21 is yuck. And Jimmy Harden. I don't think Harden's usage is coming up, guys. I It might improve from here, 13 usage. But, like, it's not hitting old levels. 11, 2, and 4 with three threes for Jim, who is, like, what, about 50th for the season? Not particularly good outside the top 50 for points. And I'm not... I'm not sure how much better it's getting, unfortunately. Big game from Zubats. Took advantage of playing against DeAndre Jordan. 23-14 and 14 with a block in 32 minutes. His minutes in production have been very much lower than this. This was a good game. I still don't think that it changes our evaluation of him being a fringe guy. While Tice had four in 12 minutes and Terrence Mann had five points in 30. Mann is up there with one of the biggest, least, uh, do the least with the most guys in the NBA. He's providing absolutely nothing. There are still people rostering him in 12-team leagues. I hope that those people rostering him for 12-10 leagues are just doing it because it was five games on and they streamed him in today, but otherwise, absolutely no way. Well, Normie Powell had 10 points in 21 minutes, which is not great. He'd been playing pretty well, Powley, but obviously did not get it done. Didn't get it done here in this one. That'll bring us in to take a look at the uh, results of the stream of the day. Some W's and some L's. That's generally how this goes. Dyson Daniels was a 10-team stream of the day, and he shit the bed. Two, three, and four with zero steals and zero blocks. He'd been rolling it, like getting six, six, and six. Shout out to Satan with getting steals, getting blocks. He'd been all over the shop. Today, did nothing, and CJ is likely back next game. So uh, we can move on from Dyson Daniels. The 12-team stream of the day worked bloody well. Jaden Ivey, 15, seven, and seven with a steal and a block. We roster him. The 14-team stream of the day was going all right until he suffered a heel contusion. Jalen Smith, 9-5-1 with a steal and a block. And then the 16-team stream of the day was Nico Batum, and that was great. 10-7-4 with three steals. We love that. And then the points ones were Al's. That was Daniel's, of course. He had 10.6 fantasy points for Yahoo and 7 on ESPN. Just a real stinker from Dyson, who had been putting up consistently strong performances. Uh, just unfortunately didn't, uh, didn't give them to us here, which is never ideal. Let's bring in now and look at the monstrous line of the night. It was a tight battle. There were three main contenders. Jeremy Grant, Reggie Jackson, Joel Embiid, even Tyrese Halliburton. We can throw in the mix. I guess you know that Tyrese Halliburton didn't win it because I just threw his name out there in that in that regard. But for the... Well, this should give it away. The monstrous line of the night is also the waiver wire line of the night. And it is, of course, Reginald P. Not P. Let's do Reginald R. Jackson, and the R stands for revenge. Reggie had 35 points with five rebounds and 13 assists. The young gun of the night, the best performance from a second-year or first-year player. There were two Detroit guys who were in in contention for this, and we ended up going with the passport legend himself, Jalen Duran. 12 points, 14 rebounds, and five blocks. Lastly, it is the dud of the night. The worst performance from a highly rostered player, over 70% rostered, is the metric that we like to use, and we're going to go to Philadelphia, and we're going to look at the thick Hogsman, Tobias Harris, 8 points, 5 rebounds, 0 assists, under 30% shooting. It was a stinker. Bad luck, Toby. Let's finish the show off by looking at the top six lists and looking at the top performers of the day. The top six players in category leagues for today. Reggie Jackson, Jeremy Grant, Joel Embiid, a very close battle at the top there. Tyrese Halliburton at four, Kuzma at five, and another Tyrese at number six. That is, of course, 
Tyrese Maxey. Your top six players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Reggie Jackson at the top. Jaden Ivey, we, we grab him everywhere. Uh, Nico Batum, nice 14-team league option. Landry Shamet, absolutely not. Najee Marshall, like a 14-team option, maybe. And then DeAndre Jordan, great, but we're going to assume that uh, Jokic is back for the next game. So we don't care too much about DeAndre. Good for him putting up a big game, though. And the final thing we look at is the top six players in points leagues. Number one is Reggie Jackson, Joel Embiid, Kyle Kuzma, Jeremy Grant, Kawhi Leonard, and DeAndre Jordan. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, you thumb it up and you leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.